This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. For those of you listening to this podcast, I'm sure top of mind is the question, will the U.S. economy suffer a recession in the next 12 to 24 months? Bottom line, I think the answer is no, but I say that with not a whole lot of confidence, and I do think the risks are uncomfortably high that I am wrong and the economy will go into recession at some point in the near term. But most likely, I think the economy will evolve into a self-sustaining economic expansion with growth Uh, closer to its potential of about 2%, that's GDP growth, Uh, job creation around 100K per month, that would be consistent with underlying labor force growth, unemployment in the low to mid threes, and inflation, uh, it's going to take a bit of time, but ultimately receding back to close to the Federal Reserve's target of between 2 and 2.5%, depending on which inflation measure you're looking at, probably sometime by late 2023. That's the most likely scenario, the baseline outlook, uh, kind of in the middle of the distribution of possible outcomes. Uh, And it rests on uh, three key assumptions, all big assumptions, but I think reasonable ones. First, that the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic will continue to fade. And what I mean by that is that each new wave of the virus will be less disruptive than the previous one. So Omicron, obviously, has been somewhat disruptive, particularly in China, given the lockdowns, uh, and that's creating a problem for the Chinese economy for sure, and also scrambling, re-scrambling global supply chains and adding to inflationary pressures. But uh, the damage from Omicron certainly has been less than that caused by Delta, which hit back in the summer, fall last year, or Alpha, which hit back in the winter of 2021, or certainly what hit us initially when the pandemic hit a couple, a little over a couple of years ago. Uh, And, you know, I'm not making a biological statement. I, 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 you know, I don't know that there's any rule that new variants are going to be less disruptive than uh, the ones we've been through, but I do think we are getting better, better at managing through them as business people and households, and I think that'll continue to be the case. But that's an assumption. Assumption number two: Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, you know, obviously this is ongoing and could go down lots of different paths. Dark, seemingly darker than the one uh, than the other than the previous one. But uh, my assumption is that the worst of the fallout on commodity markets, the oil market natural gas, agricultural markets, uh, metals metals markets, uh, gases, things that uh, – products that uh, Ukraine and Russia export to the rest of the world, that the worst of the, of the impact on uh, prices uh, is behind us. So, for example, take oil. Oil, as measured by WTI, West Texas Intermediate, is trading somewhere north of 100 bucks a barrel, just north, and I'm assuming that – that's about the worst of it, and for the year, oil will average about 100 bucks a barrel and start to trend lower next year as global supplies come on in response to the higher prices and the profits that can be made. Um, again, I think a, a reasonable assumption, but you know, obviously a very uncertain one. And then third, uh, I'm assuming that the Federal Reserve Board uh, is able to kind of gracefully calibrate its policy uh, given all the cross currents here in the economy, and uh, uh, raise rates fast enough to slow growth to help quell inflation, uh, obviously with help from a fading pandemic and the worst of the fallout from Russia behind us, 
uh, but not raise rates so fast that it undermines the economy's growth and pushes us into recession. Now, obviously, that's a very tricky thing to pull off, uh, particularly in the context of all the things that are going on. But uh, I'm, I'm assuming that. Again, I think it's a reasonable assumption, uh, but um, obviously a, a, a pretty uh, a big assumption at that. Um, there are other reasons to be optimistic, uh, you, you know, kind of more idiosyncratic to this business cycle that I think will be helpful is there is a lot of excess saving among consumers uh, that built up during the pandemic. High income, uh, uh, middle high income households saved a lot of money because they were sheltering in place, not traveling, not going to restaurants and ball games, and uh, they saved money. And then, of course, low low middle income households were able to save money given the substantive government support provided during the pandemic, beginning with the CARES Act in March of 2020 and extending through the American Rescue Plan in March of 2021. Uh, stimulus checks, unemployment insurance, uh, rental assistance, food assistance, uh, help to small businesses, uh, state and local governments, you know, very supportive to the economy and helpful to uh, savings. So there's a, ex- a lot of excess saving. By my calculation, well over 10% of GDP, $2.6 trillion. And uh, that will help support consumer spending, you know, throughout uh, the next 12, 24 months and beyond. And that's, uh, you know, obviously key to uh, to, to uh, uh, my optimism about the economy. You need consumers kind of in the game uh, to, um, uh, to ensure that the economy doesn't go into recession. The other uh, kind of longer term, more fundamental uh, I, uh, get not, uh, that uh, factor that uh, you know gives me some confidence is that there's no major let's call them imbalances in the economy. I mean, typically prior to recessions, something is really off the rails. Uh, you know, think about um, you know the world prior to the financial crisis. You know, obviously the housing market was vastly overbuilt, lending was egregious, a lot of fraud, uh, and it, we saw a massive for, uh, raft of foreclosures which undermined the financial system and pushed us into recession. And I can go back to every recession since World War II and identify, certainly uh, ex post, you know, some major problem in the economy, o- over-borrowing, over-lending, um, uh, over-supplied uh, uh, real estate markets, commercial real estate markets, uh, uh, balance sheets that are just uh, a mess. I, I, I don't see that today. I mean, the, the house, household balance sheet's in great shape. I mean, obviously, I'm painting with a broad brush, but, um, in, you know, uh, broadly speaking, leverage is low, debt service is even lower. Households have locked in these low rates through the refinancing waves. Um, uh, asset prices, despite the recent decline in equity prices, are, are uh, very high. House prices, obviously, and homeowners' equity have uh, risen enormously in recent years, particularly during the pandemic, as house prices have gone skyward. Uh, so households are sitting in very good uh, financial shape. Businesses, uh, may- maybe a little bit of uh, caution there. If the leverage across the corporate sector seems a bit barbelled. You know, some companies, you know, take a like an Apple or a Moody's, uh, you know, my, my employer, lots of cash, uh, very little debt. If they have debt, it's because it's free, essentially free money. And then on the other side, you do have some companies that have levered up, mostly financial engineering, PE firms that have, you know, uh, levered these firms up to get higher equity returns. So they're a little bit more vulnerable. But, you know, broadly speaking, if you look at corporate leverage, 
feels pretty good. Uh, not very, you know, it hasn't risen considerably, certainly not above what has historically been trend-like growth in, in, in leverage relative to GDP or sales or revenue or, you know, pick whatever you want to put in the denominator of some kind of leverage ratio. Um, uh, state and local governments, they're, they're fab, in fabulous shape in, in part because of all the government, federal government support during the pandemic, but revenues have been robust and they've been very, I think, prudent in, in terms of their spending. Uh, federal government obviously borrowed a lot of money, but I'm not worried about that, you know, in the context of if they needed to, if the federal government needed to borrow more, they could certainly do that. Uh, but, but perhaps, you know, even more, most importantly, the financial system looks like it's in fantastic shape. Uh, all the reforms put in place after the financial crisis have uh, resulted in a much more highly capitalized uh, system, banking system, uh, very liquid. Lending has been you know, very, very cautious and pristine uh, and uh, credit quality very good. So uh, no sign of a problem there. So, uh, you know, I just don't see the real kind of stress point uh, could be out there, you know, they get, and it gets exposed as the economy starts to slow and, and starts to weaken here, uh, and interest rates rise. Certainly a possibility, but at this point, I feel pretty good about the fundamentals of the economy, and that gives me some uh, confidence. <clears throat> okay, but having said all that, you know, I, I did say the risks to recession are high. The probabilities, well, I, I put the probability of a recession in the next 12 months at about one in three and uh, probably almost close to even odds over the next, uh, you know, 18 to 24 months. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's going to be a close call, uh, no doubt. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just goes to how difficult it's going to be for the Fed to raise rates here. <clears throat> Again, fast enough to quell slow growth and quell inflation, but not so fast, so high that it undermines economic growth and activity. And part of the problem here is that, the, you know, the monetary policy works through financial markets and institutions through so-called fin- financial uh, conditions, and they're pretty hard to calibrate. I mean, take the equity market. I mean, the stock market is, uh, you know, it seemed like it was holding up reasonably well in the face of what the Fed had was doing and had in mind for short-term interest rates. But in recent days, it has really caved, and, you know, stock prices are down, I think, 15 16% from their all-time highs back at the start of the year. Uh, that's about seven, eight trillion dollars uh, off of household net worth. You know, I, I think the, the economy can get, digest this reasonably well, but you know, markets are pretty fickle, and if investors lose faith and start to sell, and we see stock prices fall 20, 25, 30 percent, then you know that might be uh, more of an issue. Um, also, mortgage rates have gone skyward here, very, very quickly. High, they've risen a lot faster than ten-year Treasury yields. Uh, for I think lots of different reasons around Fed policy and potential for quantitative tightening and actual selling of mortgage-backed securities that the Fed purchased uh, in its QE, you know, during the pandemic. So we've got uh, high mortgage rates, not historically, not uh, high relative to long-term history, but relative to recent history, certainly the last decade. And that's going to knock the wind out of the housing market, uh, and uh, just affordability is completely crushed. I mean, the average monthly mortgage payment on a typical loan, uh, you know, medium priced home, twenty percent down, is about five hundred dollars more a month. That that's a big change in a very short period of time. And you got an interest rate lock. You know, a lot of homeowners have mortgages with coupons that are sitting well below current market rates, and so their mortgage payments would rise significantly if they decided they wanted to move. So. I expect the housing market to really cool off here. Much fewer home sales and house price growth, which is, as I mentioned earlier, 
is going skyward, you know, that's going to come back to earth. Uh, you know, I think the most likely scenario is that they go price, national prices go flat. Uh, I don't think they fall significantly because lending has been good, foreclosure risk is low, and there's a dearth of housing. The vacancy rate across the housing stocks is pretty close to record lows, the lack of building. And that should put a proverbial floor under price. But nonetheless, uh, if prices nationwide are going flat, that means some markets are seeing pretty pretty substantive price declines, particularly in the juice markets in the south and you know parts of the Mountain West. And uh, that does pose, you know, some some risk. So I, I do worry about, uh, you know, recession probabilities just because, you know, uh, this is pretty hard to do. Uh, his- historically, when the Feds try to kind of uh, navigate through this kind of environment, they uh, often fail and the economy does go into recession. So with that, let me mention a few indicators that I would watch to gauge, you know, which way we're going here. My kind of sanguine baseline view of the world where we, the economy evolves into a self-sustaining economic expansion or the alternative recession scenario. First up is the yield curve. Uh, I think that is a very prescient leading indicator. Uh, the difference between the 10-year treasury yield and the two-year yield is um, you know, very useful to look at. You know, Typically, the curve is positively sloped. 10-year yields are above two-year, but every once in a while, they invert. Two-year yields rise above 10-year, and that's a pretty good long-leading indicator of recession. I'd say not even better than pretty good. I'd say darn good, you know, very, very good. Now, two-year yields did rise above 10-year yields for a couple, three days back, I believe, in sometime in Mar- early March. Uh, I don't know that that's a strong enough signal. I don't think it is for a recession, but it kind of gives you a sense of what bond investors are thinking. And, you know, they're thinking that it's going to be pretty tough to, for the Fed to pull this off. And uh, uh, as a result, uh, you know, that, I'd watch that carefully. If the curve, you know, inverts – get a more hard inversion, let's say, with the curve uh, inverted for, you know, a month or two, I'd say uh, pretty good probability we're going down the dark path, the recession path. Equity prices, I mentioned already, were down about 15% from the peak, uh, you know, 20% down, 25%. And we stay there, you know, it's not just to go down and come right back. We've done that a few times in recent years. And that, you know, that's no big deal. So if investors view this as a buying opportunity to start coming in and equity prices rise quickly, then you know I'm not worried about that. But if we go down 20, 25, 30, and we stay there for you know a few months, a couple quarters, uh, that's a pretty good sign, probably with about a six to nine month lead that we're going into recession. Consumer confidence, uh, also a very good uh, near term indicator, short term indicator of recession. You know, at the end of the day, recessions are a loss of faith. You know, people you know panic, give up think we're going into recession, and the result is they stop spending. And if they stop spending, uh, that, that's recession. And so I, I do worry that, um, you know, if sentiment starts to fall quickly. Now, sentiment is weak, no doubt, but uh, because of the pandemic and, you know, uh, you know, high inflation, but it hasn't caved. But if it starts going down 10, 23 points on the conference board survey or the University of Michigan survey, <coughs> excuse me, I say that <coughs> it's a problem going into recession, probably with a two to three month lead. And then finally, the unemployment rate, uh, you know, if businesses pack it in and they see what consumers are doing and they say, okay, now we got to pull back on our hiring and ultimately start laying off workers, unemployment starts to rise, uh, we're done. So uh, every time the unemployment rate has risen more than three tenths of a percentage point over a three month period, that means we are in already in recession. Uh, uh, everyone's kind of run to the bunkers 
and we're going, we're in, and uh, we're going to struggle through a recession. We're not there at all yet. <clears throat> you know, job growth is strong, and unemployment continues to move lower. So we're not there yet. But those are the things I'd be watching out for, just in case. So, bottom line, uh, you know, I think we're going to make our way through, uh, and uh, the economy will evolve into a self-sustaining economic expansion. It's not going to be graceful. It's going to be a bit ugly at times. Already has been. But I think we'll pull this off. But I say that uh, with a low level of confidence. Recession risks are high. So stay attuned. Watch those indicators and, um, and uh, buckle in. Thank you very much.